The first reading today comes from Isaiah 35, verses 1 through 10. <clears throat> the desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it, the splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear, your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool, the thirsty ground bubbling springs. In the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. And a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. It will be there for those who walk on that way. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast. They will not be found there. But only the redeemed will walk there, and those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. And our gospel lesson continues with the Advent theme of those who interacted with an angel during the Christmas story. In this case, we hear in the Gospel of Luke, Mary's response to the angel Gabriel. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you join me in prayer? Come Holy Spirit. As we anticipate Christmas only a few days away, make space now in the busyness of our hearts and minds and lives, that we might meditate and ponder your word. Speak now into our hearts and to our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So we've been talking about fear for the last couple of weeks, so I want to 
I'm going to give a trigger warning for this next image that I'm about to show you. But this is one of the scariest things I could find. <laughs> now, young ones out there, I know you can't believe this, but when I was a kid, our phone had a wire that ran into the wall, right? And when it rang, it didn't have any screen to tell you who was there. And here's the strange thing. We actually fought with each other and ran to the wall to be the first one to pick it up, right? Because then you could talk to your friends without your parents getting in between, right? But how do you feel when your phone rings nowadays and it says, no caller ID? Do you have any barbarians of friends who call you without texting first, right? This, this whole thing has shifted around, hasn't it? What do you do if you get one of these calls on your, on your home or your cell? What do you, what do you really do? Block it. You ignore it. Go to message. Yeah, okay. We don't bother with this call anymore, do we? Especially if you're already doing something you'd rather be doing, right? What if you're sitting at dinner with your family and your phone rings? Do you pick it up? What if, what if you're getting some other things knocked off your to-do list and your phone rings? Of course you don't want to pick it up. It's an interruption. It shifts the priorities from what you had already planned to whatever this person on the other end wants you to do. It could be somebody calling to sell you something. It could be a friend calling for help. But you don't really want to be interrupted by it, do you? I do the same thing too. If it's important enough, they'll leave a message, right? Think about how Mary does this for God. Accepts the interruption. She, she picks up the call not knowing what Gabriel is going to be asking of her. And God has some very different plans for Mary's life. Imagine if she had said, Gabriel, I want to thank you for coming in today. What you've presented here to be the mother of the Son of God is a great opportunity. So thank you and thank God the Father for considering me for this position. But it's just not the right position at the right time for me. I mean, I'm about to get married to Joseph this year. We've got a wonderful wedding planned. So why don't you come back in a year or two? Once I'm married, then we can talk. But your agenda for my life, as wonderful as the opportunity is, it just doesn't fit into my plan right now. Of course that's not what Mary said, right? Mary said, here I am, your servant. Let it be with me according to your word. Mary's actually the first one to face a decision that is faced by each one of us who are disciples. Whether we're going to stick with our own well-laid-out plan for our own lives and remain completely in control, or whether we're going to respond when God calls us in a new and unexpected direction, even if it means giving up control of our own lives. Instead of excuses, Mary said, Here am I a servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. I find that line to be the most remarkable response in all of the scriptures, Old or New Testament. Think about all the excuses, and even 
The big, heavy hitters in the Bible had them. Moses, his excuse was, I don't speak well in front of crowds, right? Abraham said, I'm too old. Jonah ran away from God because he didn't want the Ninevites to get God's grace, and he was sure that God would forgive them. David didn't want to fight Goliath because the armor was too heavy, and the sword was too. Naomi said, I can't do that, God, because I'm a widow. Isaiah responded to God that his past was too much of a burden, and his sins would drag him under. And Elijah told God that he was simply too burned out as he sat down under the broom tree and wished for God to take his life. We've all got our excuses, right? Biblical characters and us sitting here this morning, what's your best excuse? Do you have one that you keep in your back pocket? Like, what if God called you in a new direction this morning? Do you have an excuse ready to go? Because it seems like most of the biblical characters had theirs worked out in advance. So you might want to consider that. Most of the biblical characters had their excuses worked out, but not Mary. Mary had that amazing phrase, Here I am, a servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Now, reading this story in the modern times, there's one other angle to consider that probably wasn't a big deal for the original hearers of the story, but I've been wondering this week, in an era of Me Too, how do we read Mary's story? Reading it in an era where we are talking about women who've been placed in situations they didn't consent to by men who have power over them. Does that change the way we need to read the Christmas story? What does it mean for this story of Mary and her response to the angel Gabriel? I mean, there's a classic way we think about Mary, right? In the nativity. And here is a slide from the nativity at the mall. As was already mentioned a couple of times in the prayers, it was awesome. What a way to be in outreach. Now, this is taken from a very flattering angle, so you don't see that we're next to Victoria's Secret. (laughs) And also, Bed Bath & Body Works. But who would have guessed that we would be invited to share the gospel in a place like this? I got to read the script in Harrisburg Mall and proclaim that Jesus was the Savior of the world. I got to say that peace was coming to all the earth through a set of speakers in the middle of the mall. I never imagined that ministry would take me to a place like that. So thanks to this church for having a big imagination and and big hearts and an adventurous spirit, because it was cool to tell this story uh, about 20 feet from Santa Claus. But when we see the story that we know so well, We see Mary there. This is Mary and the angel Gabriel. And and Mary, in most of our pageants, doesn't have much to say. She she shows up, and and then we play a song like, Mary, Did You Know? And she walks through the motions. You know the story. There's no room at the inn. Joseph helps her to the stable. She sits down and somehow gives birth very cleanly and miraculously to the baby Jesus. And then we sing a nice song like, Silent Night or Away in a Manger. But here's the thing. Mary, did you know? Yes, Mary did know. If you read the scriptures, Mary declares exactly what is coming into the world. 
The piece we read today is known as the Magnificat because of its first few words in Latin, my soul magnifies the Lord. And I'm convinced that Mary gives her consent to God. Remember her line, here I am, a servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Now, Mary's teaching us there that that faith is not always a matter of persuasion. And faith is not just holding exactly the right set of beliefs. But faith is more a matter of relationship. Mary leans into this opportunity to, to discover and to learn and to engage with the mystery of God, taking the next faithful step forward without knowing the whole future that lies ahead. And Mary learns that God didn't promise a perfect, peaceful life. And regardless of what the the song says, it wasn't a silent, holy night. Now she knows that she is blessed, that she is the favored one of God, that she is filled with God's grace. Those three things are always true, but her troubles did not miraculously end. Life was still tough sometimes for Mary, and that's how life is for us, too. It doesn't always go according to our plans. Sometimes life is hard and painful and scary. And yet, in the midst of this messy life, God is at work, bringing blessing even out of pain. I heard a guest on the radio this week who was an African-American man. He had written a book about race relations in America, and he was speaking on the theme of keeping hope alive. He talked about the way that that white folks need to be aware of, of how race affects every layer of society for our black and brown neighbors. And until, he said, until our white brothers change, ain't nothing gonna change that we needed to call out and speak out when we see injustice. And here's the line I will remember. We don't need shallow optimism, but we need deep hope. We don't need shallow optimism, we need deep hope. He said shallow optimism is, is looking for something good in the situation. If you think about it, you end up using a phrase something like, Well, at least, dot, dot, dot. So imagine Mary if she were approaching Christmas with shallow optimism. You know the story, right? There's no room at the inn? Well, at least, dot, dot, dot. There's a barn in the back where we could stay. I'm going to give birth in that barn? Well, at least, dot, dot, dot. There's a cattle trough where I can put my baby after he's born. You mean my relatives and friends are all in another city and I'm all alone sleeping in a barn with a newborn baby? Well, dot, 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 at least these night shift shepherds stopped by to admire the baby. Or what I find to be one of my most dreaded phrases, which I think is the epitome of shallow optimism, is the phrase, well, I guess it could be worse. 
But when you read Mary's story, you don't get any sense of, of shallow optimism. Mary is excited and joyful even before it seems like there's anything to be joyful about. Mary does not respond with shallow optimism, but instead she displays a deep hope. Mary starts to sing her song, the Magnificat, before anyone else is singing. She talks about how God has scattered the proud, brought down the powerful, lifted up the lowly, and filled the hungry. Mary not only gives her consent, but she is radical. We often think of meek little Mary on her way to Bethlehem, helped by Joseph with, with no real lines. But as the author Kira Austin Young says, Mary is a radical, not for violence. We usually use the word radical for, for terrorists or revolutionaries, the, the kind of people who turn to violence. But Mary is a radical for peace. Here are her words. Grace and forgiveness are radical. Violence is not. Sharing bread and wine at a communion table in spite of our divisions is radical. Welcoming strangers into our midst is radical. The kingdom of God is radical precisely because it upends and subverts the way we think the world should work. And it is that kingdom that comes into being in the birth of Jesus Christ. May we join Mary this Christmas and celebrate God's radical work by committing to being radical Christians in our world today. So friends, let's not be those who go through life getting by with a shallow optimism. Well, it could have been worse. But let us be radical disciples who trade our own agenda for God's agenda, God's agenda for our lives and for the world around us. And let us be people who live with deep hope, knowing that Christ is our Savior. Amen. And I'd like to invite our bell trio to come, and they're going to share a piece with us now, uh, both ringing and using the bell trees. And as they do, our ushers will come to receive this morning's offering of gifts and tithes.
Let us pray. Lord God, as we gather today and count many blessings in our lives, we return a portion of what you have given to us, to you and to your church. Bless these gifts with your Holy Spirit, that they may be used to build up this church, to build up our community, and to share the good news here in this space and far beyond our walls. The good news of your Son, Jesus Christ, and his gift to our world. We give you thanks for these in his holy name. Amen. And we'll close this morning with hymn number 230, O Little Town of Bethlehem. <laughs>